Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 52 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, the summary, some combination thereof. We're forcing ourselves to read books we would never otherwise choose to read in our regular day-to-day lives. Usually this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read. Once in a great while, a book comes along with at least partially subverts our assumptions, and it did. I, it really didn't this time, Paris. Chris, because... are you okay? You see, you said covery and they're off, and you kind of really, just mangled that last. Sentence. I'm really bad at reading from copy, Paris. It's just no, it's not fine. my. It's fine. That fits with the overall theme of the day. Uh, I am recording from my couch, and I am holding the microphone, and I have no pop filters. So that's okay. You know, hey, wah, it's it's wah. like oh yeah, dude style podcasting. Yeah, Just, you know, yeah. two people hand holding microphones. Um, so this time we read something different. It's certainly unlike any other book that uh, I've read before because it's more like a long form. Game facts post with like a life story up top, like it's a recipe from like allrecipes.com. You know how <laughs> when you when you're trying to like find a recipe, I hate this. Uh, Go ahead and, and describe and, and, it. And, and then like you, you Google like, oh, how do I make a pasta and meatballs? And then there's like someone's life story about their grandma's pasta and meatballs recipe straight from Italy. And you for, keep like, the scrolling, first, and it like, never ends. Full third of the page before you even get to any like content that's what this is except <laughs> it's a it's like a walkthrough for super mario brothers 3 we read super mario brothers 3 brick by brick by bob chipman this was a selection made by our patron lynn thank you for your support lynn and we hope you enjoy this episode because i didn't enjoy reading this book one bit uh, yeah well i kind of in- I mean, I enjoyed the, like, four things I learned that I didn't know. So, you know how most most of the time we read books on this show that aren't really targeted towards either of us? Like, neither of us are the intended audience for the books that we typically select. I mean, not all the time. Um, but in this case, I feel like this book was targeted at us because we yeah. are in that age range. I personally grew up playing Mario. That was my jam as a kid. I had a Nintendo. I had various Nintendos, but 
you know, I loved Mario stuff. That was the thing I played as a kid. So I was actually kind of excited to read this because, you know, I grew up playing Mario. There's some nostalgia there for me. I like video games. I mean, uh, probably I haven't I haven't played a Mario game since I think Super Mario Galaxy. So I'm a little behind. Um, and I didn't even play that one a lot. Uh, but I do have very particular memories about Super Mario Brothers 3 because uh weirdly that was the game i played with my cousins whenever we would stay over my grandmother's house when i was really young yeah, um some classic childhood video yeah game. so like i you know i was pretty young so i didn't i never beat the game because you know we the three of us me and my two cousins would be over there you know for a weekend and we would do other things so i never beat it i think i was I was probably like five or six. I don't know. I was pretty little. Uh, so I didn't have all the memories that Bob talked about for all the levels, but I remembered a lot of it. And it was like, you know, it was fun to think about, you know, good times when you're a kid. Um, but this this book was disappointing in a lot of ways. Um, I, before you go on a little bit, I kind of want to talk about how this I might be the target audience here, too, in a way. Especially since it, this is basically like a text let's play of Mario yeah. Brothers 3. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, Paris, I spend so much time listening to or watching some Let's Plays I know, related content. You are how I got into watching Let's Plays too, because uh, Chris, I, I think it's fine if I say this, but uh, when Chris and I lived together before for many years when we were in college and stuff, he was always watching Giant Bomb stuff. And I didn't really know anything about it. And then I would just like pass by his room and it would be on and I'd sit there and we'd end up watching it for hours because it was so funny. Um, And, you know, I yeah, and I I ended up really liking that and was like, oh, this is cool. You know, Uh, and Chris, yeah, like Chris said, he watches way more of that stuff than I do. But, you know, I'll be honest, like Giant Bomb is a particular niche that where it's like actually really good. And I'm more into like the personalities playing things Uh, uh, like sometimes I don't watch all their content. Sometimes it's just fucking boring to watch because let's be honest, watching people play video games is a very borderline kind of activity. Yeah, I have a spend your time. Yeah, I have a confession. I mean, I haven't really been watching Giant Bomb that much since since Drew left, so... That's totally fine. I mean, I've been giving them $5 a month for, like, the last seven or eight years of my life Yeah. to get access to the premium content. I don't even watch all of it, because a lot of the time now I have that stuff on in the background while I'm doing other stuff, maybe even while I'm editing this podcast, just kind of <laughs> yeah. off to the side or something like that, or while I do chores or fold clothes or something... And I subscribe to plenty of stuff on YouTube, not only in the Let's Play sense, but in, like, video essays about game design or, you know, opinions or critical analysis of games and stuff like that. So you are literally the target audience. I am one million percent the target audience for this book, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, so before, I mean, before we get any further, let's just... uh quickly do i'm gonna read the back of the book summary just so you understand what this book uh claims to yeah, do you can um, read it clearer than i can yeah and uh <laughs> oh also content warning uh this week's content incredibly clean so there's a quick mention of terrorist attacks that we briefly have to touch on but otherwise you've got nothing to worry about but our usual barnyard language so yep you know pretty good um so the summary for this book 
uh, is as follows. More than a strategy guide, bigger than a retrospective, Super Mario Brothers 3, brick by brick, is a whole new look at one of the greatest video games of all time. Film critic and game journalist Bob Chipman, creator of Escape to the Movies, The Big Picture, and The Game Overthinker, attempts the most in-depth analysis ever of this all-time favorite game, Super Mario Brothers 3. The 205-page book chronicles his own most recent journey through every step of the game, missteps and all, while analyzing every element of this enduring NES classic for its artistic, cultural, and even historical significance. He also details the history of the Super Mario franchise itself, his own experiences growing up gaming, and many of the life-changing events that surrounded and shaped his latest quest to save the Mushroom Kingdom. I have issues with this summary because yeah, it it's... says that it is going to be the most in... He's going to attempt to do the most in-depth analysis ever of this game and explain all the artistic, cultural, and historical significance behind it. And, like, I don't think that that happens. There was none um, of that. If there, no. <laughs> if there was any analysis, it was, like, an extremely shallow surface-level look at one point, there's, like, one aside paragraph about how Mario is this, like, working-class representation of a hero, which is, like, was a lot different from how heroes were represented at the time. And, like, when he started going in that direction, which is, by the way, like, 130 pages yeah, into the book. Yeah, it's, like, way late. I was like, oh, there's something here for me to latch on to, except for, <laughs> aside from the just the description of a, a text description of a guy working his way through the various Mario levels. Not necessarily even good as a strategy guide because, you know, he's omitting plenty of stuff. It's just literally like a text play-by-play. By the way, I've read text Let's Plays before, and they've always included screenshots. Back when Let's Plays first started out and video streaming wasn't good enough to, like, support the high quality you need to be doing that stuff. It was literally just people posting a screenshot with, like, a little text quip underneath it about what's happening and then moving on from there. When you you lose that, and when you lose... It's basically just him going, like... Then I jumped and avoided the cheap cheap over here, and then I got the super flower from this guy and used it to dodge all the cannon fire at the airship level. What a fun level because it's slightly different from the other ones because it's a desert instead of an ice world. That's about all the analysis you're going to get out of this. Yeah, I I have some things to say. So Say the things, Paris. First of all, I was way more invested in the beginning of the book. Yes. When he was talking about... His experience as a child growing up at the kind of the birth of the Mario franchise and like the birth of Nintendo as sort of this uh, video game superpower of sorts. That was way more interesting. And I was and as I was reading it, I was like, wow, I've read like 70 pages of this book and he hasn't even talked about playing the game yet. And then that part started and I was like this sucks I how much did your this. eyes like glaze over every time you were reading like the fucking 50th page about how he avoided some cannon fire and there was a trap around the corner yeah. over here with the koopa troopa I, so there are i so i truly feel like what mr chipman which i super didn't think was his real last name because it sounds like a made-up i'm a video game guy yeah, name. It, it does <laughs> but, but i it worked I, out for his favor i guess in this case. well i 
so again, we don't know anything about this dude. I very just like the any other time that we pick up a book and I've never heard of the author, which is every time I think. I just do a quick Google, read like five words about them, and then I don't go any further because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin my uh, perception. Right? It seems like he's actually maybe our neighbor, sort of. He seems to yeah. live in Massachusetts. Um, uh, you know, we're from. We live in Boston, and I guess he lives in the North Shore. So he talks about Revere. moving into a, like a specific apartment in, in Revere. Revere. Yeah, and that's very close. Like, hey, I play at Sammy's patio all the time, Bob. Yeah. So if you hear this podcast and you got a problem with me, I don't know, maybe fucking roll down there when Rayborn's in town and give me a, a, a what for or whatever. But no, I mean, I don't. You know, grab the need... fire flower and fucking immolate me as like, on stage. I mean, it doesn't need to be antagonistic. Like, no, honestly, I feel. This guy is pretty successful. Like, Bob has a Patreon where he makes, what, like, four grand a month through his Seems Patreon? to be doing, like, uh, perhaps his, like, movie a, criticisms are yeah, way more mm-hmm. in-depth than what he's doing here. I just feel like uh, this was a complete... right? They yeah. were, it, this feels like a complete failure of, a me- like, the use of this medium to describe something. Because uh, I was trying to find, like, an original, like, thought or analysis through that, through this whole thing. And the only real originality about it is he mentions up top, he's like, oh... What's this niche I could fill that, like, no one's ever done before? Oh, a text playthrough of a video game. And I'm that, that if that's your only original idea, I got to say, like, there's a reason no one's done that yet. Because yeah. it's pretty boring to read. Through. Yeah, I honestly, it would have been a lot. So this man clearly has a dedicated fan base enough that it's able to support him, right? Like he makes this money through Patreon, through his movie reviews. I'm sure it's, he makes money it's through other fantastic websites. fantastic that he can pay his rent and yeah, live that's doing, rad. that's amazing. So my point is that there's clearly a large group of people here who would give a shit, uh, you know, in terms of hearing about this guy's life. I think he really should have focused more on writing a memoir about this period of his life because yeah, like through the lens of the video yeah. game and there's like so many missed opportunities at the yeah. end when he gets to like the dark world and he talks about like his grandmother dying and like this trial of like getting out of his house and moving into a new place by himself there's like so like why didn't he connect that a little bit more or something yeah, it could have it- it has the potential to be, you know, maybe a little fanboy-y, but it has the ability to be something greater than what it was. And I don't I don't know why he chose to do this really like half-ass surface level thing uh when he could have just done a, a much better job especially if his, you know, occupation is doing in-depth analysis of film. I feel like this could have been better. Uh, so first, my first point is that this should have been uh, a more tailored memoir about his life uh, in relation to the game. Because like you said, there are plenty of connections to be made there and he just didn't quite do it. Um, it should have been way more focused on him and his development as a child and then maybe as an adult in connection with this video game nostalgia. So that that was missed. Secondly, this thing was not edited, or at least it wasn't edited well. Um, There's repeated sentences. The first 70 pages are just rife with ellipses. Like, I've never seen so many ellipses used in a book before. He uses it for, like, comedic timing for (sighs) jokes that kind of... 
don't land yeah, all the way. Yeah, we can. I'm, we'll talk about that in a yeah, moment. But sure. for right now, there's a lot of mis. There's some misspellings. The constant ellipses really bugged me. The repetitive sentences. Um, I mean, for a first pass, like if this thing was not edited at all, I mean, the writing wasn't that bad. I mean, I I was led to believe that the writing was total trash. I mean, it's. You know, it's not. Once you get into like the, the gameplay part, it's like, what can you really do if yeah, you're literally just yeah. recounting the moves you made in a particular playthrough of Super Mario Brothers Three? It as it, functioning on that level, yeah, the writing is fine. It's really like the failure of like a broader idea or medium or the use of a medium here that I think really trashes this whole thing because he's. Yeah. There's a reason that why 95% of Let's Plays are video-based or, like, video essay. At least if you're doing, like, critical analysis of video games, a lot of them are video essay-based. I watch plenty of those things on, on YouTube. I watch, like, Game Maker's Toolkit, H-Bomber Guy. Uh, I can name countless of them. I'm not going to do that over here. But I've spent an hour before watching some British guy talk about Bloodborne. Like, oh, just an hour-long video of a guy, like, analyzing Bloodborne and why it worked. Like, so I'm, yeah. I'm an audience for this. And the fact that you just uh, he's offering nothing besides just literally a play-by-play -play of a playthrough via text. And it why, wasn't... Why would you want to read that? <laughs> yeah, and again, it wasn't... It, it didn't even meet its own goals, right? Because he was saying this is going... He's attempting the most in-depth analysis. He's going to go all into all this artistic, cultural, historical stuff. And I mean, he barely does that. Like once, like you said, you know, he made that good point about Mario being a working class hero for the late 80s, early 90s. And I was like, oh, damn, yeah, where's more of that? And then that didn't happen. And then we returned to, well, then I jumped on the Koopa and <laughs> yeah, I threw the shell right. at the Goomba. This is an interesting trap because usually in the other Mario games, you would throw the Koopa... And I, it, I just tuned out so fucking fast yep. every time. Like it was, I mean, and I, I don't mean to be too disparaging, but this whole book read as though you were describing the rise of Nintendo and playing Super Mario Brothers 3 to your grandma who was blind and could not play video games yeah. <laughs> and didn't know anything about it. Like, and again, I know that that probably sounds a lot shittier than I intend it to be, but it just feels like a Wikipedia level, like gloss over all this stuff. And then an in, in-depth description of the, well, not even in-depth, but like descriptions of the levels that people could understand who who can't see the game or had never seen the game and didn't know anything about Nintendo. Like, it's almost like a N Nintendo 101 with Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, There's I... There's an exhaustive list of every <sighs> single enemy in oh the game. Oh my god. Dude, and we don't even that's talk what about... an appendix is for. It's yeah. not in your content on your main pages of your book you put that shit in an appendix like i and just ah. there, there's like a couple of moments where he starts talking about oh the designers intended this one specific segment to be like a tutorial thing mm -hmm. and like even that super surface level where he doesn't like really dig deep into like how the designers created every single brick by brick aspect of this game yeah. which I, the title would have you believe that he's you know gonna go over at least that at least like well this is a clever use of this 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 enemy over here to kind of teach you things and that happens like one uh, a handful of times but not enough to call this an in-depth analysis right and 
yeah, overall, I feel like there was just a lot of missed opportunity. Like, this could have actually been a successful, um, I don't want to say book, because my other criticism is that I don't think this needed to be a book. No. This could have been an extended article or, like, an article series on, you know, Kotaku or whatever, one of those websites. Screw Attack, which he's employed by. (laughs) Right, yeah. Or one of his literal employers. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I I don't think that this needed to be a 208-page book. Especially Um, when 130 pages are a play-by-play that's not even good as a strategy guide, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't understand like you said why would you want to read someone say i mean i'm gonna obviously we need to read you some of these passages because you're not gonna understand what we're talking about um let me just hang on i'm just gonna whoop down yeah to just a section. bring up any random level that that he's talks about here at like it, it, like i said at the top of this thing it re- i don't know if you ever looked up strategy guides online when you were younger there was a popular website called game facts game faqs that yep. just had like text files that random people would submit of how to beat games and stuff and it really reads like one of those with like the my grandma's recipe story appended to the top except this time i was way more interested in the grandma's recipe story than getting to the yeah, pasta yeah, and meatballs weirdly. recipe down below sorry that i keep using pasta and meatballs as the recipe here but i guess we're sort of like italian american yeah <laughs> in genre over here can uh, i start doing my bob hoskins mario impression no <laughs> um I'm going to... Luigi, right, you need to get the pasta at the end of the oh, thing. Jesus. Stop talking about Grandma's <laughs> recipe and just cook the fucking thing. Actually, actually, while we're talking about Bob Hoskins as Mario, um, this book does mention three forms of Mario media, uh, one of which we're going to have to watch for the Patreon. So it's either going to be Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, Super Mario Super Show, or this movie called The Wizard, which was a movie... Like, it was just like an ad in movie oh, yeah. form so that Nintendo famous paid for. Just, for. Ju- for just that Power Glove line, if nothing else. Yeah, they. so I guess Nintendo bankrolled this movie to basically just be an advertisement. And at the end of the movie, there's like a video game competition. And in the movie, they show clips of Super Mario Bros. 3, which had not yet been released. So it was a big deal because it was like well before the release of the game maybe a year before or something yeah so you could only see that if you went to go see the movie because this was the 80s right yeah there's Um, there's no internet websites to you know get your news from uh anyway so we'll be watching one of those things for the patreon if you if you feel strongly about any of them (laughs) let us know i guess uh all right so here is um one of his descriptions world three fortress one The first of World 3's two fortresses is the first puzzle dungeon in the game. Another gauntlet of thwomps and boos with the added feature of nine seemingly identical doors along the way. One door takes you up to Boom Boom. The other takes... Oh, uh, the... Sorry. The another takes you uh, to a one-up. The remaining six drop you into open space above a huge interior pool. I'm still wearing my frog suit, so let's see how long I can keep it. I don't think I've ever beaten a boss while wearing one. Immediately, you can tell this fortress is different. The usual empty black backdrop replaced by a pattern of stark onyx brickwork, towering vertical windows, and huge Greek columns. 
The floor is black and white checkered tiles, identical to the one seen on the title screen. The ornate decor makes the fact that I'm still dressed like a cartoon frog even more absurd. The just different enough controls for the landbound frog Mario makes negotiating thwomps that much more difficult as I come to be first of the doors. <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting tripped up by the spelling errors in this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I figure the best way to refamiliarize myself with the layout of the place, other than looking up a map, which I don't feel like doing yet, is to just go in, splash right down into the water. The first time I came here, this whole area tripped me out, and I immediately fixated on the two pipes hanging down just above the water surface. Oh, so that's how the water got in here, or maybe how it gets out? Fortress on a tiny island like this one gets a flooded basement pretty often, and my father wrestling with our own basement sub-pump was a fixture of my youth. The only exit takes you back to the beginning, but a quick swim gives me my directions. It's door number six I want, but door number nine has the bonus stuff. Damn it! Should have just gone for number two. I time a thwomp incorrectly and lose my precious frog powers again. <laughs> I get the treasure room. No! At least... Luigi, give me the frog and- suit back. <laughs> Just coins. Fooey. Time to head back for the right door, only to forget my own mental snapshot of the layout. Try a hard turn back and die at the hand's beak of a dry bones. For shame, Bob. Back on the map, a hammer brother slips into my block my return to the fortress. For the first time, the hammer battle triggered is the old-fashioned kind. Twin bros tossing (laughs) hammers while jumping between two rows of bricks. The reward is a hammer. Now, back to the bloody fortress. Thwomps, booze, dry bones, door number six, boom, boom. This is the first flying boom, boom. You'll see his arms morph into wings after the first stomp. I don't give him time to take off. From hell's heart, I stab at the <laughs> boom, boom of the irritating water fortress. All right, so do you see how this doesn't really work on the Yeah, you the see multiple... how this was shitty? It's yeah. not really a strategy guide. It's not necessarily great as like a, you know, an analysis thing because he's not really analyzing anything except maybe a couple of like ornate descriptions of like NES graphics, like, you know, giving them way more credit than they deserve. Yeah, I I mean, sometimes. Yeah, honestly, that is kind of an overarching theme of this book. Uh, Bob, Bob is like his really strong feelings about video games. And I understand that because I grew up at the same time i mean maybe a little after him but i also grew up playing a lot of video games i was you know like many kids my age glued to you know mario super mario 64 and you know donkey kong and banjo and kazooie and all that shit um so like i get it i get it sort of uh but he definitely does put video gaming mario nintendo and nintendo's creator um what's his name shigeru miyamoto Miyamoto. he's not really nintendo's creator because nintendo was a playing card company before it ever got started yeah that's that's true Um, he's just kind of like the the figurehead of nintendo now that they're a gaming juggernaut well he created mario right because he had to repaint over he had to repaint the sprites in sprite for sorry if if we're sorry if we're saying anything that you don't know about because you're not into video games but sprites are the um the little characters basically in the video game um basically like he's the one who created mario um and that's cool but he 
the dedications at the beginning of the book go as follows. Oh, yeah, this, this part. This book is dedicated to Shigeru Miyamoto for saving my life more times than he knows. Christopher and Catherine Chipman for always being there. Peter and Patricia Chipman for everything. And in loving memory of Evangeline Chipman for setting an example. So you see here the creator of Mario is above all of his family members. He comes members, first before the rest of the family including, somehow? Including his grandmother who just died who gets last billing on this list, Evangeline. So that was like a little concerning. Yeah, just, um, I had the same reaction where I was like, really? You're going to give Shigeru the, the, the first uh, yeah. dedication here? I mean, and for, for saying that he saved his life more times than he knows, like... I mean, I guess if that's true, I guess if, like, Bob was literally thinking of committing suicide and then Super Mario Brothers 3 came out hey, and Bob, it saved his life. Hey, Bob, don't do like, it. Don't jump on I mean, I, like, I don't Don't walk sell- into Revere Beach. It's not <laughs> safe. Yeah. You Revere wouldn't Beach believe sucks. the amount of cheap cheeps over at Revere Beach, Bob. <laughs> I had to hammer them all one by one. I mean, you know... That's probably not too far from reality. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've been to Revere Beach. There are a lot of huge-ass rats. There's probably a bunch of evil fish in there, too. I wouldn't Probably wouldn't some strange like... mushrooms, too, yeah. like just lying around, to be honest with you. Uh, for so. those of you not from Massachusetts, Revere Beach is like... It's it's uh, public transit accessible and therefore kind of shitty. Like, people don't treat it super well, so it's kind of like... A real crappy beach but it's sometimes the only beach people can get to so there's still a lot of people on it but no one's really happy about it <laughs> i've played I've, I've played many a show right next to revere beach myself and even then i won't walk over across the street yeah. to stand in the beach yeah there's a venue called sammy's patio it's also you know hey sammy has helped me there. out <laughs> you know i'm not gonna disparage sammy's man no They've no been... no i'm not gonna disparage it but like Dante, it's... I love you. You've booked me on many shows. You, <laughs> you do great sounds. If you, somehow you're listening to this, yeah, I, I love you, man. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. I mean, Sammy's is fine. I don't have any. I don't have any problem. It's just a pain in the ass to get to. Because Not for me. It's... it's the easiest venue for me to play for Graveboard. That's true. Uh, for most people, it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's way out on the blue line. Anyway, that was a digression. No one cared about or needed. <laughs> yep. um, but. Yeah, it, a lot of the things in this book felt a little hyperbolic, like he was inflating the importance of things. But then again, I don't I don't want to sound like an asshole, because if if this was really that important to him, if if like Miyamoto really did save his life with Mario, like great. But I just have a hard time believing that, I guess. Right. Like, Especially it seems a little ridiculous. He's talking about moving out of his parents house that have been supporting him while he you know goes for his you know, career aspirations, which there's nothing really inherently wrong with that, but writing a book, right, as you're moving out and then dedicating the top billing of the dedication being to a Japanese dude you've never met that probably doesn't give shit about you, <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Like, Yeah, I mean, in... Even even the things he says, like, for example, video games were the rock and roll of my generation. No, they the mm. rock and roll was still a <laughs> yeah, thing yeah. that existed. He I, even talks about, like, being kind of the, the nerdy kid. And, like, he was excited at one point because, like, Super Mario Bros. 3 was such a cultural phenomenon that he was, like, w- cool for a second or something. Yeah, yeah. But they I mean, were still, like, the nerd shit back then, dude. He also calls... 
uh, Shigeru Miyamoto icon an iconoclast he refers to him as an iconoclast or iconoclastic multiple times throughout the book and i think that's kind of weird because i don't like i know that you know he repainted that game and made mario and i think he pushed for um he kind of sort of pushed for mario in some way i don't know but like I don't, he wasn't an iconoclast. This is, we're talking about Japan in the 80s here. Like, if somebody was an iconoclast, they would be fired, right? Like, they're, like, this is not, this person is not pushing back so hard against the established, uh, you know, video game fucking Maybe reign. he just doesn't know what that word means yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, I just, I think, again, it's just a little too much. Like, if he had called him innovative, that would have been f- perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. He did new things with, you know, with video games, at least as far as I know. I'm, I'm not an expert in this. I know a little bit. Um, that were... No, Miyamoto you know, had some fresh, yeah, bright ideas that right. worked out really well and continue to work out well to this day. But an iconoclast is somebody who wants to, like, topple a regime, basically. <laughs> and that's, like, not what this was. Um... Maybe I mean, with, like, the Wii and, like, moving into, like, the casual gamer sphere instead of, like, the hard, you know, that thing. You could maybe consider that part a little bit, but that's really stretching the fucking definition there, I would yeah. say, too. Um, <laughs> there's a really funny typo. There's a sentence that's supposed to say, uh, it should be a game I loved, but it says, I should be a game I loved. <laughs> <laughs> I should be a game that I love. And I was like, wow, that was a really... Play uh, me, please. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't know. Uh, there were some things I learned that I thought were cool. Like, uh, you know, I didn't know that... Uh, you know, that this was the first... Or maybe this... Like, the first... Um, the first Mario game. What was it called? Uh, it wasn't called Mario. It was the it was the Donkey Kong game or whatever. Uh, yeah, Donkey Kong. Wait, wait, are you talking about Super Mario Brothers two right now? No, or the fact I'm talking that- about when they repainted Radar Scope to be uh, Mario, and they called it they called him like Mr. Video or Jumpman or something. Yeah, he was known. Uh, Mr. Video was like oh, the Donkey in Kong. development yeah. term, and Donkey Kong yeah, he was called sorry. Jumpman. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear that, like, oh, that was the first time a game had tried to uh, use a narrative to engage players rather than just being like, oh, get points. They were like, no, you got to save this lady from this big monster. And I was like, oh, OK, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, but mostly, I, I mean, even all that stuff is like stuff that I've heard a thousand times that like in the intros of articles, just being a reader of like games, journalist media a whole lot of the time, like. I can't tell you how many fucking times I've, I've read Super Mario Brothers 2 was really a Doki Doki Panic in Japan, and it wasn't really a Super Mario Brothers game over there. Like, I've heard that so many fucking times that when he brought it up, I just kind of groaned out loud. Like, if that's the fucking big tidbit you're bringing out here is an analysis, like, dog, I've we've been over this a bunch of times. Yeah, I feel... Well, that and that's why I said that this book seems like it would be more appropriate for someone who didn't know anything about Nintendo or Mario because he gives, you know, an okay kind of overview. But then why would they want to read 130 pages exactly, of a play-by-play right, of a right. video game with yeah. no screenshots? Yeah, again, 
it's either for people who literally cannot see video games or are really out of touch with video games and this is like a way to introduce them to it but i do think the um the like let's play portion would drive them to drop the book no one wants to read that. yeah can um, i i want to make what like this is we're breaking a break off on a tangent here but i i had one thought about this book and where it would kind of work but it, it's also an example of why this one type of thing wouldn't work so um paris how much do you know about gamergate uh all i know is that people were real mad because some ladies were like hey games are kind of misogynistic and have a tendency to use women as backdrops rather than characters of any agency and a bunch of people were like you're a bitch fuck you and it was like thanks for proving my point is yeah that, is that a good assessment of- that's like one <laughs> layer of it yeah i don't really know more about it than that the, the other the, the side that you're talking about basically was coming at it from a point that okay so there was a lady named zoe quinn she made a game called depression quest it was basically like a multiple choice adventure game that just made the point that like hey depression fucks you up so bad you can't really do anything no, it's hard to cool. do that. I didn't know and that. it was like a little indie sensation. And then like, I don't know, a couple yeah, years later, cool. an ex-boyfriend of hers like releases a statement that's like Zoe Quinn was messing around with game reviewers to get favorable reviews for her shitty ass game. And then also she doesn't love me anymore. And what the fuck? <laughs> but so like. It, OK, was this it, like so this is like a man scorned in the video yes. game industry. OK. And this started off a whole thing where not only was they pushing back against people like Anita Sarkeesian, who were releasing like sort of a feminist viewpoint on how, you know, games have treated female characters and even female gamers for quite a some for quite some time. But it also set off another sort of layer of complaint about like. There's no objectivity in games journalism. It's oh, all like yeah. payola and like people doing favors for each other because these game journalists, they have access to the publishers and the publishers just pay them to do good reviews and stuff the like that. The Illuminati! Yeah. When it's really, that's uh, just how any fucking critical, you know, movie thing or, you know, any art medium with cr- with critics works. You get access and by, you know, sometimes being friendly with the other people on the other side of the industry and there was always this thing of like games journalism should be objective reviews should be objective but every time i read someone like putting a ob- objectivity and reviews on a pedestal i have to say you're missing the fucking point of art criticism almost entirely because an objective review of a game would be what this fucking let's play is right here it's like level 1 has these enemies in it <laughs> yeah, there's it this kind of music it looks like this and then i could jump through them over here it's like that that's what an objective game review would be and it's fucking boring and there's nothing nothing to like be gleaned from it aside from a literal play-by-play of what's happening in the game so i hope this can stand as an example of why those gamer gators had the whole thing about objectivity and games journalism completely fucking wrong in my book because you want the subjectivity of the reviewer in there you're not supposed to take every reviewer's like opinion as absolute fact you're supposed to understand the context of the reviewer understand their personality a little bit what they like what they don't like if that doesn't line up with your own ideas of what is good or bad in the game maybe find another reviewer that fits your you know no i mean i but subjectivity I, better but oh god i don't want to sound like i'm fucking defending crazy people but i understand the basic idea of like hey people shouldn't be writing reviews if they're paid a huge sum of money to write something positive like they're being 
you know, forced. Absolutely. To, and that's yeah, that's totally. That's, that's I want I will up. say that's yeah. how Giant Bomb was created because Jeff Gersman was fired for basically writing a review that was a little unfavorable toward a game that had like a lot of ad space placement on the website he was writing for. Yeah, and that's fucking bullshit. Like shit like that is ridiculous, and I agree. But that's a separate thing from misogyny in games, right? And like, also I, like those two different a things. separate thing from writing yeah. like a completely objective review right, of right, something. Right, right, So these are, we're talking about three different things. I mean, and um, so it was easier for me to think about this in terms of bands and, and reviews of albums and live performances because, you know, I'm a musician. I mean, so is Chris. But that's like more relevant to my day to day. I mean, I like video games. I play video games, but like it's not it's not at the forefront of my life like music is and yeah i mean if i think about it that way like no no i don't want someone getting paid a bunch of money to write a favorable review but like that happens all the time like with bands you're in this sea of hundreds of thousands of other other groups and sometimes most of the time you're getting a favorable review because you just happen to know somebody who's going to review your shit um I mean, it's like, it's really difficult to get um, your band's work in some of, like, the bigger publications and bigger um, music journalism sites unless you hire a PR company. So I get it. Yeah, it sucks if you create an indie game and no one gives a shit about it even though it's good just because you don't know people. Yeah, like, I understand that, that feeling of frustration, but misdirecting that frustration to attack women is pretty weird uh i mean i mean that even happens in music journalism now if you look at like kim kelly or something in like the metal circles like she gets a whole lot of shit just for like being uh slightly feminist in like metal journalism Uh, any anyone who ever says anything sort yeah it's it's a whole bag of bullshit it's basically the same shit that was happening in video games is just still happening in the heavy metal scene uh or any kind of heavy music you know like hardcore or whatever yeah a lot of people are disparaging and shitty to women a lot of some people feel like women have no place in having music some people feel like they do but they just need to shut up about it and just play their instrument or whatever um and then there's another category of people which i might hate the most who think women should be in heavy music as like a weird fetishistic prop like like oh yeah like let's put on a female fronted music festival like let's celebrate those ladies aka i just want to stare at boobs all day yeah i yeah. can agree there yeah it's like the we're rooting for you but no you're just secretly creepily fetishizing women which is weird anyway we don't we don't need to go off on a tangent but um everyone is stupid let's move yeah, on yeah, <laughs> um, everyone is will you terrible. please fucking stop complaining about this dumb shit and just <laughs> yeah. let people make their art yeah I, I guess what are we doing right here with this guy like he's trying to write a book in in this this niche that is unexplored but uh again bob if uh, if you're listening and you're, you're gearing up to punch me in the face the next time you see me at sammy's or whatever <laughs> yeah Again, you must be if you got a Patreon with that many followers and that that much income that you're going that you can pay your rent. Obviously, you're doing something right in your other work. Yeah, I. Why really, wasn't that applied here? Yeah, and I I just really think that this would have this should have been. I like I said, you know, a long form article or an article series about 
him growing up during the heyday of Nintendo and his relationship to the game. And it was just, it was just so much more compelling to read about him. And like, honestly, reading about his life made me feel like sympathy. Like I was like, Oh man, this guy kind of has a shitty life and he's making the most of it. You know, like he doesn't, he doesn't write that he's depressed and lonely, but I definitely got a sense of that. I don't know how his life is really if he's making a living doing something he enjoys. Uh, well, now. This book was written, what, yeah. nine years ago? Sure. No, no, seven. Seven years ago. Sorry. It was written in 2000. It came out in 2012. Um, so, you know, this was kind of maybe at the point where he was starting to, I think it was, he was like starting to get more um, kind of uh, entrenched in this uh independent movie journalism or whatever he was doing. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm pitying the guy. I don't know. I feel like no matter what I say, I sound like a jerk, but I'm not. I'm just I'm just telling you how this book made me feel. And I was more interested in reading about his life and his struggles. Like, you know, he makes these quick mentions about <clears throat> going to the gym and Oh yeah, can we, uh, yeah. This we fucking part that, that so, I so like as somebody who has struggled throughout my entire life to maintain a healthy weight and not be obese, like I sympathize with that totally. Like empathize even. Like I've been there, you know, doing your best to get workouts in and like feeling good about it, but then like slipping off and not doing it. Uh, but you know, but, but like right when I was like, oh, okay, I can identify with this guy. Then he fucks it up by saying he burned 3,000 calories in a workout. And I'm like... How? <laughs> yeah, Were like, you, like, hauling the fucking pyramid stones up to construct a pyramid? <laughs> yeah, he's, bu- he's building he's the tomb of bu- Luigi. Yeah, he's physically <laughs> building the pyramids in the desert world. I burned 3,000... <laughs> Luigi, you gotta help me out. I'm fucking carrying this whole pyramid block up here. Can't we figure out some new technology? Get the Lakitu up here. Jesus. Uh, somebody's gonna get me a raccoon tail. I'm gonna fly this rick up there. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what voice that was, but... I'm sick of this. I'm smashing it with my head. Yeah. Oh, I need a hammer. Um. Yeah, I... Uh, I... He talks about going to the gym twice in one he says he burned 3000 calories in the other he says he burned 1700 both of which are i don't believe incredible that. and unbelievable <laughs> i don't even, believe that i mean even if he i mean unless he's like 600 pounds which i don't believe he is he seems to be able to move under his own power safely in a day-to-day living situation so like <laughs> yeah you know he's I, driving a car around places he's, i you mean know. even if we're putting his max weight even if we're going like out there and saying he's maybe 300 pounds uh, listen you would have to be running like for five straight hours with weight on your shoulders i think to get even close to that or something like okay let's take the 1700 calorie one that's a little more reasonable if you're really heavy but even if he's 300 pounds burning 1700 calories yeah you have to be doing cardio for like two full hours i mean if if an hour and a half is being generous and i just I don't know. I don't know. It it seemed ridiculous to me. And it was like, <laughs> right as I was about to feel, I was like, I thought about it. And was like, wait a second. That's not. It really possible. was like a moment for me where it kind of like threw my belie- the believability of the yeah. whole book into yep. like. Yeah. It's a total question. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. had the same experience where I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm reading this. I'm feeling some, you know, some sympathy with this guy. Oh, wow. He's just lying about shit. That sucks. 
yeah like i just i just had this feeling where oh wow he's he's probably lying about everything else or at least something else right so yeah yeah, that's just a weird moment that i was like bob why why yeah why you didn't have to put your calorie burn you could have just said hey i had a successful workout today like when i tell other people you know i was at the gym i don't tell them my specific calorie burn did you even really beat super mario brothers 3 bot no no. i I believe that he you know he goes to the gym and he beat the game or whatever he seems to be you know productive enough and honestly that's like a step above so many other people that you're putting content out regularly even we fucking struggle with getting our recordings out like no i mean we've been sticking to a schedule for almost a full year now i know but it's like it's (laughs) It's a pain in the ass just to do, like, the bi-weekly thing. Never mind. I'm sure he's putting out more content than us. But, I mean, I have a full-time job and a band and, like, other life responsibilities. And you also are gainfully employed and have other responsibilities. So, like, this is literally his job. Yeah, true. So, maybe not that impressive. But, anyway, there are some other random... Sorry if this, this review is a little jumpy just because there isn't a whole lot like, of unless content. you want us to like get into the specific details of why i'm i don't need to fucking hear about how you beat the seventh boom boom it, it, that you've encountered really easily um yeah i mean so one of the things that stuck out to me as like really bizarre and one of the ways in which he kind of puts um kind of places way too much importance on the game uh is when he says but the climactic reveal of super mario brothers 3 is burned no seared into my memory the way jfk's assassination was for my parents generation luigi take the shot the cia paid me or the way 9-11 would be for mine a scant 12 years from then my god was it really only twelve years? <laughs> you're comparing. You're comparing seeing a screenshot of an NES game yeah. to like two of like the most fucking tragic televised events uh, in yep, U.S. Yep. history. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thanks. Thanks for putting a brilliant. Uh, That's like if I compared like the first time I saw like w- a new Final Fantasy game to like the fucking Boston bomb scare from like the Moon and Nights from like forever ago or something. <laughs> which is it's a, that's milder to be sure, but like. That yeah. I don't understand the comparison. Why does it have to be, like, horrible stuff that you're comparing it to? Yeah. Why not, like, compare it to, like, a good thing that was a revelatory moment for a lot of people? It's just I don't a know. totally inappropriate comparison. And, <laughs> and treating, like you said, two of the, the greatest televised tragedies in U.S. history really flippantly. And I'm sure that anyone reading this would have been like, the fuck like if they were a u.s citizen they'd been like <laughs> fuck you bob you're an asshole because that's that's fucked up it's not it's a good not, thing to do it's not an appropriate way to nope. make the comparison at, at all about how cool a re- video game reveal was. and i understand like you're a kid you know things like that seem much more big when i was a kid i yeah, was flipping yeah. out about game reveals too but like even i understood as a kid when i when that that moment happened september 11th and i was in seventh grade that's a vastly different experience to compare it to like Oh, cool. I just saw the first screenshot of Final Fantasy X, and they yeah. have voice acting in it. Oh, my God. Like, I don't get it. He also... There's a few other, like, inappropriate um, phrases or comparisons. Uh, uh, he... there There's, like, a section on um, youth marketing in the 90s. Uh, I'll just read the paragraph. 
marketing, especially youth marketing in the 90s, was all about dividing and conquering, establishing an identity for your product, encouraging a less attractive identity for a rival product, and getting consumers to flock to you to claim that good identity for themselves. We got a taste of this in the 80s with the Cola Wars, and Nike essentially started a race war among my <laughs> sports fan friends by selling the Magic Shoe and the Bird Shoe concurrently at the height of the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe it did a little bit, because kids can be shitty like that, but, but like... I starting don't... a race war over sneak... <laughs> like, don't use that phrase. That's... Like, race wars were a real fucking thing that happened in Massachusetts, actually in Dorchester, where Chris sure. lives. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry, just blowing up your, your neighborhood. It's a fucking fact. Like, I don't know. Um, but, like, race wars happened in this country... Not like not long before the eighties, like sixties, seventies. Actually, I don't know if I don't know if there were any in the eighties. Uh, I'm not I'm not an expert on this, but it's again just treating a very serious thing very flippantly and saying that kids who wanted different sneakers were like rival factions in a race war is just so know, tasteless. Maybe, maybe at his school they really were like doing some heinous shit over sneakers no, like that. No, I no, no. You can't save this one. I, I'm not really trying to, but like, I don't know, maybe some little kid said some like horrid, horrendous shit to his like African American classmate or something over some sneakers. Uh, but I that's hardly so. a race war. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think again, it was just a terrible. And and the, he went to a things, private Catholic school in Massachusetts. Someone was racist somewhere. That's true. But some things like this in the book make me almost one hundred percent positive that no one else edited this. Because if anyone else read those things, they would have been like, "Bobby, get it. You got to cut that. You got to rephrase that." Um. He also. I don't know. I don't know if this is as this is kind of a lesser evil. Um. But he's talking about how people were so hype about the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins and, uh, what's... John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. And fucking, uh, what's his name? Bowser. Play Bowser. I forget. I forget. Was he, uh... Fuck the baby man in Blue Velvet? What? (laughs) What? No, wait. Wait, is that the same guy? I don't know. I've never seen Blue Velvet, but that sounds like a movie I don't want to watch oh, now. Oh, don't see Blue Velvet. Like, I love uh, I love Twin Peaks and all, but I do not like Blue Velvet. David Lynch, I don't know what the fuck you were doing. Um, what the fuck is the actor? Oh, my God. What? No, it's not the same person. I'm sorry. I'm fucking losing my mind. Uh, uh, it's okay. You can go look up who played Bowser at the Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie on your own time. No. He's like Listener. an established good actor. Why can I not remember? Because because oh, no fuck. one really needs to know. Uh, Bowser movie. Bowser. Uh, All right. Well, while you're searching that, I, I kind of want to like take a second <laughs> to, to to say something that sort of relating back to the GamerGate stuff. Um, when I did a cursory Google on Bob here, I, I found that he's not popular among the uh, surprise, surprise gamer gatey slash four chan types. Hopper. Oh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper okay. was Bowser, okay. which is bizarre. Wait, so was I right? Was Dennis Hopper fuck me baby or baby oh. fuck the baby? <laughs> All right. <and> fucking... <laughs> you do your own research on yes, that. Let me. Yes. Let... Okay. 
Bowser. Yeah. Okay. It was Dennis Hopper. Oh, that's so weird. Dennis Hopper plays a guy in Blue Velvet who has a weird baby fetish and wants to be. Sorry. This. I I take back what I said about this content being okay this week. Yeah, well, you you you're jumping. Baby some wants weird... to fuck. He screams. Baby wants to fuck. And Isabella Rossellini, and it was like the weirdest moment in a film ever. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm never watching that movie now. Don't, Thanks don't for the watch warning. It. And, anyway, and, he, and then he also played Bowser, which is bizarre. Anyway, he did not scream "fuck me, ba- baby" in that movie. I'm sure. <laughs> baby wants to fuck. That's the line. Baby Bowser wants to, wants to fuck. <laughs> Luigi, why is Bowser in a baby bonnet? I thought we already defeated baby Bowser in the last game. Did we Mario, create, I don't know about that. Did we just create a blue velvet Super Mario Brothers movie <laughs> oh. crossover? <laughs> oh Mario, don't take the mushrooms. You'll end up in a weird David Lynch movie. I don't care, Luigi. I'll take whatever I want to defeat oh baby God, blue Kyle Bowser. Ma- Kyle MacLachlan could be Luigi. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> this is so bad. I'm sorry that I created this, everyone. Chris, what were you about to tell us? Well, after, before we got onto uh, Blue Bowser Velvet or whatever, <laughs> um, I was saying that like there is something here that could have been edited or th- yeah, yeah, like we said, it, it provided been deeper saved. thought or provided deeper analysis after a couple of more passes or something like that. Well, it could have been saved if somebody else had actually edited it for content and grammar and syntax and everything. And maybe have provided Bob with like, hey, maybe why don't you go deeper into like, anal- you know, comparing your life and growing up amongst video games instead of just 130 pages of a play-by-play. Yeah, and I also hope that they would have recommended he get rid of this air of, like, inflated importance. Like, for example, um, you know, 25 years later, a 2D Super Mario Brothers side-scroller is the carrying... Is is the carrying the banner for the... Again, fucking God, do some basic editing. I can't even read passages from this book without getting (laughs) fucked up because there are so many errors in it. Like, Jesus, sorry. Anyway, he says, Mario is still here. So am I. I'd like to think that, if possible, we would thank another for that. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. I don't think Mario is going to come and shake your hand, Bob. Like, I... Phrases like that make me cringe, and I understand... Okay, not to get into an argument about this, like, sure, the bowels of the internet are terrible and, like, whatever, but I do get why, you know, like, a phrase like that makes me fucking cringe and yes. go, oh, this is 100%. weird. Like, like, totally. I, I don't know. In summary don't read this book um it needs some serious editing and rethinking um it needs a complete overhaul yeah yeah it shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been a book it should have been a long form article or if he if bob did want to write a book he should have written more of an autobiography or a memoir but i mean this is just me this is just me maybe um no it's based on the text so in the text Bob, he reveals a little bit about himself, right? And I said that those parts of the book were the more compelling parts and the things that I would have been more inclined to read, right? Um, 
And I think that the reason that this wasn't an autobiography or a memoir or a more in-depth discussion about him growing up with these games and how it related to his life is because it's too scary for him. Um, he seems to shy away from um, kind of real life stuff, you know, and that, that maybe is why he made all of um, this media kind of his main thing. Uh, he, he references a few times that he gets anxious about like making real life decisions and you know, he, I, sorry, I should, I should have, um, noted the exact passages I was talking about, but there is evidence in the text to suggest that doing a more serious piece would have been too personally difficult for him. Um, but you know, Bob, if for some reason you're listening to this, um, you should have just gone for it. I mean, you still can. Like, that's you way more con- compelling because you want to confront tough. those demons, right? And that's exactly like Chris said. It's going to make for a way more compelling read if we see a very human person struggling with very human things, even if it's in a fantasy setting, right? Um, yeah, that's that's going to be a way better idea than. Hey, remember Super Mario Brothers three? There was a brick here, and then I punched I, it. And then I was jumped a over the boo, and I made sure not to use the frog suit too early because I wanted to save it for the Bowser level later. Level three, four. This one has a bunch of air cannons firing at me from the left and the right. I successfully navigate them and then jump on the head of a Koopa Troopa to. F- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I just really think that like like we said he had an idea and it could have been something good but then it just wasn't it was not thought about thoroughly uh it seems like it was put together in a rushed way was not edited i don't know if any if anyone even um was consulted about this other than bob i have no idea doesn't seem like yeah it it doesn't really seem like he submitted it to the screw attack editors or whatever to like take a once over at it for as a favor or anything even yeah. All right, Sorry. Uh, Paris. I don't know if I have much else to say about this one because it's very surface level stuff that I can't even I can't dig deep into analyzing it. Uh, no, I mean I think my my deepest analysis, not even that deep, is just that, like I said, you know, he's just continuing to shelter himself from reality by diving into media i mean it's something a lot of us do and it's sure. it's okay to do that in i mean that's that's sort of not the whole point of video games movies and tv but it's one of the points of them right it's an escape Absolutely. Um, and that's and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that in certain doses but um i definitely get a sense from this book that it might be a little unhealthy um and maybe that's why so many people critique him but it's it's his own fucking life he can do whatever he wants um but the book did make me feel like hey man maybe maybe engage with your real life a little more like with your family you know he even said he couldn't even deal with his grandmother's death he just kind of like said bye left and then like sat in the car and then played more mario right he like left the funeral early to go install an ac yeah and i and again we're not we're not saying he's a shitty person. We're not saying that any of the stuff is bad. If anything, he should have focused more on those things and explored those things yeah. because that would have been 
a way more interesting book. I would have 100%. cared more about it. Exactly. Um, and, and and again, I'm sure that his fans would love that. He has all these people who support him directly each month. And they want to read that. They want to identify with someone else struggling so hard with reality that they go too far into video games, movies, TV. Like, that's that's the thing that people want they want to they want to share that mutual understanding and they probably deep down want to work through that together right like they yeah. want to feel like this person who they idolize or maybe not idolize but who they really like and whose opinion they respect is going through the same things they are um yeah i don't know i'm i'm just kind of going off on a tangent and i don't mean to sound like an uh, an asshole like that wasn't that's not my intent. I know I've said that a couple of times because I feel like I don't think you're... this is like an asshole thing to say. Like no, we're not no. saying like you failed at, at your life, no, Bob. No. What, what what a terrible choice you've made. No, you no. you seem to be doing decently for yourself with your chosen path. Just maybe, you know, engage on the real life stuff a little bit more, and you might find your way out of a swamp that's you know been troubling you. Well, and it it would make his work better. It would also make this. his work with media better if he engaged more with the. Um, kind of the real life surroundings or consequences or whatever um, of all this stuff in his life and maybe in the greater world. And again, we're just reviewing this one book. This is all I know about this man is this one book. I have not watched any of his other reviews. I haven't read Maybe they're fantastic and he does that shit all the time. Maybe, maybe. But in this book itself, it doesn't seem that way. Um, And yeah, even for... I just wouldn't recommend this. Don't read this. No, there's no reason. if you're nostalgic about Super Mario Brothers 3, either go play it <laughs> uh, again or maybe watch, uh, you know, a Let's Play with video uh, and good I'm commentary. so sure that there's a video essay on Super Mario Bros. 3 that oh, offers, like, be, legit deep analysis into some other aspects. Whether I've seen, like, even I, I watch a YouTube channel called 8-Bit Music Theory and they di- he dives into, like, the musical aspects of a lot of the songs and music in there. And, like, really deep dives into the functionality of specific, like, intervals and chords and how they elucidate certain emotions and how they work with the game. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's fucking interesting. Yeah. yeah. Super. I mean, anyway. Um, yeah. So- sorry, Bob, but you got to start over and try again. This This was not the book that you wanted to create based on... Um, you know, based on the thesis statement you had, right? Yeah. And uh, I also just don't think it's a book that a lot of people would get much enjoyment out of. Yeah, you know, Bob, yeah, grab that one-up mushroom again. Try again. Yeah. This time yeah, put man. on a tanuki suit or something. Yeah, man. When it comes to writing, you got infinite lives. Like, scoop oh, them up. What a cute metaphor. Oh, I like that package. <laughs> um, I just, that just came out. It wasn't really intentional, but, All right, you know. well, that's a nice <laughs> point to end on. Yeah, and now I have to worry that he's going to kill me in the night because no, he doesn't seem like us. that. Kind of, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. <laughs> Please don't kill me in the night, Bob. <laughs> kill me, kill me during the day in yeah, the daylight. Face, to face. <laughs> you know, like a proper confrontation in a side scroller. Yeah, face exactly. to face, man. Yeah. <laughs> you can stomp on my head and move on with your life. Oh, I have, I have some other. I have a random thing to say. So. Um, we bought this digitally through the website fangamer.com.net. 
And I would just like to thank Fangamer for having a really sick Dark Souls pin that I bought from my vest. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so by buying this book, there was a silver did, lining. Paris, did you sleep with the Fangamer owner and now you're providing good <laughs> reviews? <laughs> yep, that's the big secret. I'm a Fangamer whore. I got passed <laughs> around. So I would say nice things about the website. <laughs> I'm on to you. Oh, man. Okay, that was a joke. Obviously, it fucking didn't happen. I don't know. I was just, I was just buying this book, and I was like, "Oh shit, they have Dark Souls merch. Fuck yeah!" I want to go get Dark like, Souls merch now. Yeah, dude, they they've got some figurines. Ooh, not, I'm not ooh. that into figurines, but do they um, have Artorias? Uh, I guess I'll go check. I don't think so. I guess I'll go check. But there are Artorias figurines elsewhere. Anyway, I found this really sick pin. Thanks for the sick pin. Um. D- not no thank you for this book i guess yeah um, yeah, yeah, not yeah really. it, was, it was weird like this book isn't available on amazon uh when i looked bob up on amazon there were a series of other books about like film reviews and shit but this one wasn't there and seemingly you could only get it from this website so that was a bit odd i i'm not sure why maybe it just got a lot of bad press because the bowels of the internet were hounding him and he took it off amazon i mean that's possible yeah who knows um anyway um we're, we're done with this i think yep uh many thanks to lynn for being a dedicated patron of terrible book club and for choosing today's book three cheers for lynn hopefully this was um pretty cool i don't know hopefully it was all right and of course thank you to all of our other patrons without whom this show would be way less fun and way more stressful well thank you to dari greg veronica will d jared lynn and sina thank you so very much for your support hopefully i got your name right thank you thank you thank you uh we're only seven dollars away from our next goal so thank you thank you thank you if you want to give us easier access to books and get some terrible book club bookmarks in production you can head over to patreon.com slash join slash terrible book club and become a patron you can enjoy lots of extra content including some audio tracks of me and chris watching movies or tv show companions to books we've read on the podcast uh the latest is the crucible uh because we just read that play and we'll soon be debuting a new video segment called terriblos torture just for patrons i'm buying props Um, for it yeah yeah get ready um another announcement our new website is up hooray so um terriblebookclub.com is now live hooray fanfare fireworks uh we thank radio public for putting that together for us um and while we're talking about radio public i would like to mention that if you listen through their app the radio public app we make a few cents on each play, so it's really helpful for us. And we're not we're not talking Spotify cents either. We're talking real whole cents that I can hold in my that, hand. That nice copper that you can Dude, taste. We get two full pennies for each play Holy on the Radio Public shit. app. Which I can buy half like a Hershey thing. bar in nineteen forty two. But no, I mean I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but in terms of uh how much streaming sites and podcast like no i don't think any other podcast app pays podcasters nope. so um radio public's been really cool to us they helped us make that website and i mean i was not paid for this this is not an ad i didn't have sex with anyone um, well you were paid I, two pennies by by the play right so yeah i mean i use radio public as my podcatcher app like that is what i use to listen to podcasts and i really like it so this is a genuine endorsement not paid uh but anyway if you want to help passively fund the show, so that means you're going to 
help us get money but not have to actually give us any money download the radio public app and listen to terrible book club there um and this goes for any other show i you know if if you listen to other shows like if you listen to them through the radio public app you're giving money to them as well so it's helpful um you know we like when people say hi and interact with us so you can always reach out to us on twitter instagram goodreads or facebook you can also send emails to us at terriblebookclub at gmail.com you can also uh, submit you... terrible torture ideas in the categories of <laughs> characters <laughs> setting uh genre uh, what, what was it characters conflict <laughs> setting and wild card mm-hmm. you can yes. you know go on the patreon if you want more details on that yeah uh, if you haven't done so yet, it'd be really helpful if you could review the show on iTunes or on any other podcast app or directory or site or whatever. It just helps the show get into more people's ears. So if you like the show, just do us a favor and give us a review or share the show on social media or um, just simply tell your friends to listen to it. Honestly, some of the the best advertising is just word of mouth. So if you like us, tell other people you like us. I think uh, I think that's all we got. Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, thank you so much for to listening to my podcast, as oh. Mario might say. That was really terrible. That's hey, you you, you played the end of Mario sixty four, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about well, it? He says thank you so much for to playing my game. Really, I don't remember that. I mean, I was like ten when I played that game. Like it's I don't seared in my memory. You like know what? When seared... JFK no. was shot. Oh. <laughs> You don't know what's seared into my memory from Super Mario 64? What is? Jolly Roger Bay. I was terrified of that <laughs> fucking eel. I couldn't even play that level. I would get so scared. I would swim back up to the surface and run out of the level and jump and jump out of the painting. <laughs> like, I, I, I know that that wasn't really how it worked, but, like, I was legitimately scared of that eel. And I remember even as a small child being like, this is irrational. This eel isn't real. It's in a video game. But I was like, no, but it's scary. I, I still don't like it. it. Yeah, I was still terrified. I'm so... That fucking eel. What was his name? Do you have a name? He had a name. Uh, Eely Eel. E- I don't think it was e- Eely Eel. E- Elio's <laughs> pizza. <laughs> Elio's, another thing from my childhood that I run from screaming. Anyway, um, <laughs> with that, we'll All see right. you next time. Goodbye. Bye, pa- Bye Paris. Bye, Paris.